good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Thank you so much, Ronnie. I appreciate Ronnie uh, so much. Um, so, but even, even a, a little bit ago when Miranda told us about um, Cody and Brooke being in the hospital, before, he said, before Miranda said what it was for, like you started like clapping. And most of the time, like you wait, like somebody goes to the hospital, you kind of wait to see what it's for before you start like applauding. And so, but I just appreciate your <laughs> encouragement. Yeah, no, I believe you. I believe you. Uh, well, good morning. My name is Wayne, and I am the student pastor here at the table. Um, if you have a 6th through 12th grader, uh, we would love to see them uh, come and hang out with us on Wednesday nights. Um, we have some amazing uh, leaders and uh, volunteers who give their time to point your students to Jesus, and so we want to invite them uh, 7 to 8.15. Um, I believe that God is moving on Wednesday nights and through our small groups, and so it's a good time. And so uh, this is week two in our series. Uh, Bill kicked us off last week, if you were here, The Miracle Healer. Um, They'll talk to us about, uh, from Luke 8, a little bit before uh, where we're going to read today, um, how uh, this idea of good soil, and just challenged each of us who are here, who are watching online, um, who are believers in Jesus, to pray that we would be the good soil, that the Lord would do a work in us and through us a hundredfold for his glory. And so today, um, we're going to talk about, um, last week, Bill talked to us about this idea of Jesus as a miracle healer. Um, and a lot of the miracles that we see and that we read, that Jesus speaks to something in an instant, and it's, it's healed. It's uh, dead or raised to life, uh, paralyzed, can now walk, um, sick or healed. Um, and today, for uh, the first time in our series, we're going to look at what Jesus does in an instant, and it will blow your mind. And so before we do, um, will you pray with me just that the Lord would speak um, right now through me? Father, thank you so much for you quiet our hearts and our minds. Let us focus on you and you alone. Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for um, you and your willingness to uh, go to the cross for our sins. I pray um, that if there's anybody in here that does not uh, trust you, has not trusted you yet, Lord, that they would leave here forever changed because uh, they have heard a message of a God who loves them so much that he sent his one and only son to die for their sins, to take their shame. God, I pray uh, that you would just speak through me over the next few moments. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, The other day I was reading to our three-year-old, and um, I was reading to him in this book that he asked me to read, and it's his his Bible, but he doesn't know that. He walked up to me and said, Daddy, I want to read about the the whale that ate that guy. He's like, I want to read about the whale who ate the guy. And I'm like, okay, buddy. And just side note real quick. Um, if you have a children's Bible, if you've ever read a children's Bible, like I was thinking about this week as I was preparing for this message, how weird it is uh, that Jonah and the whale is like in every like children's Bible ever. Like it's, you know, a story of disobedience and then uh, a whale swallowing Jonah because he was disobedient God, um, forgiving Jonah and his disobedience, sending him back on the right path. But like just thinking like it's kind of a scary thing for a three-year-old to hear about like if you're disobedient being swallowed up by a whale and I'm not saying that I've used that on him um, since, like we've read it, but I will say that I'm not above it. And so if he just continues to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would never, we'll see. Um, but just uh, in like this story, like my three-year-old, he loves, uh, he loves to read with us. But when we read stories about Jonah or we read about Daniel and the lions, then like he walks away and he, he's thinking more about the whale than he is about God. 
Now I know he's three, and I'm just glad that he wants to spend time with his dad and, and read his children's Bible. But a lot of us are like that when we read stories of these, like, miracles. We look at the miracle, and we think, whoa, like, that's crazy that Jesus would do that. And we just focus so intently on the miracle instead of looking at the one who has all power and authority to, authority to do the miracle. And it's not that we shouldn't give honor and glory to God for what he can do, but who uh, focus solely on what he's done, but let us be po- people focus on his heart. So if you would read with me Luke 8, um, starting in verse 22. If you don't have uh, your Bible with you, you can uh, open up our, our event tab on our version, or you can, uh, if you, it'll be up here on the screen in a moment. It says this, one day he, being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and sailed. He fell asleep, and a windstorm came on the lake, and they, were filling, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, to the, to, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. I want to make uh, four observations of of that text this morning. Just four quick observations of what Jesus did, who Jesus is, how we can uh, take rest in the fact that he is a God who can do all things. Uh, But the first observation that I want to make for us this morning is that he, uh, he calmed this storm immediately. This storm, he calmed it immediately. He, he spoke to it, and it stopped. Jesus spoke, and it stopped. About eight years ago, I was at a student camp, um, leading a student camp, and uh, my wife, it was not my wife at the time. We weren't even dating. We were just friends, but we happened to be sitting next to each other. I think she had positioned herself to sit next to me. Um, if she was telling the story, she may tell it a little bit differently, but I, I just believe that to be true, and since I have the microphone, you can hear my story today. Um, <laughs> But she, she positioned herself to sit next to me, and as she, as she we walked into this room, um, she just stood up, and like they were asking leaders to share. And she shared on uh, this exact uh, passage of Scripture, and she shared it because she wanted to encourage every single leader in this room that she believed that God was doing something. And that she believed that in this, when we see God doing something, what, what we don't see and, and, and what, we can, uh, what we can imagine is that the, the disciples and Jesus may not have been the only people on the lake. They may not have been the only people on the lake, but if the storm was calmed for them, that everybody who was also on the lake, the storm was calmed for them too. And so there was this ripple effect of what happened in the boat in their lives that happened for everyone else, that everyone else like, was able to be encouraged or everyone else was able to be safe. And what she was meaning to say in that is that, like, when something happens in us, it's not just supposed to, when God does a work in us, it's not just supposed to stay with us. Like what Bill challenged us to do last night, or last week, when, when there is, when the Lord does a work in us, we are called to go out and live because of the work that he's done in us. And I, and I believe this to be true. I really do believe this to be true, and I think that we can prove it in Scripture is that, yeah, Bill was exactly right. Most of the time, it is this process that happens when the Lord does a work in us. It's this process that happens. But I do believe that God still works in an instance, and I'll prove it to you if you're a believer in Jesus. One of my favorite stories of Jesus' healing actually happens three chapters before here in Luke 5. 
In Luke 5, there's this story of this, uh, these four friends. They pick up their paralyzed friend. He's on a mat. They pick him up. He's been paralyzed since birth. And they get him to Jesus. They, he has a realization. He's, they've heard of Jesus healing. They know Jesus is able. And so they pick up their, their, these four friends, say, I don't care how far it is, how long it is, how hot it is. We're going to get you to Jesus because they know that Jesus can heal. They get him to Jesus. They, they do a bunch of extra things when, when some of us would have been like, oh, man, we see the crowd. And we'd be like, man, we try. But these friends do everything they can to, to get their friend before Jesus. And Jesus, in seeing their friend, or seeing the friend's faith, the four friends' faith, he heals uh, the paralyzed man in an instant. And it's a beautiful story. Immediately, someone who's paralyzed from birth is able to walk, to pick up his mat and then walk. But I tell our, our students is that's not the greatest miracle that happens in that story. The greatest miracle that happens in that story is that Jesus looks at the friend and he says, your sins are forgiven. The miracle of salvation for those of us who are believers in Jesus happens in an instance. When you say yes to Jesus, you are now alive when you were once dead. And so Jesus calming storms immediately, though most of the time it is a process it is a process of, of, of calming storms in our life. When, when things are going on, it is a process where, where God teaches us and, and humbles us and disciplines us at times. But in, in salvation, it is an instant thing. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saved then and forever. And that is the greatest miracle. The greatest thing that has ever happened in your life, if you are in Christ Jesus, is at, at the time that you said yes, you were saved both now and forever. And that should be something that encourages us today. That should be something that, that helps us in the midst of storms in our lives. As we have been saved, bought by the blood of Jesus, and that is both now and forever. That your eternity started when you said yes to Jesus. By the grace of God, when I was 12, and I, and I, heard, I, mean, I heard the gospel every single Sunday of my life, but at 12, it just it hit me that this was for me, that he did this for me on my behalf. He died on the cross. And then if I would trust in him, that I could be saved at 12, my eternity started. Yeah, I still face storms. Yes, we still face storms as believers. But because of him, in an instance, uh, you were made whole. You were made, uh, you will be forever with him. The second observation that I want for us to look at this morning is that um, Jesus doesn't uh, calm all storms immediately. I told you that I, I've told you before that I grew up in church, and one of the songs that we sang in uh, this small church that I grew up in Houston was called "He's an On-Time God." And it's, one of the lyrics was, "He may not answer when you want him, but he's always right on time." And I remember hearing that song as a little kid and just being like, "Man, it would probably be better for me if he just answered when I wanted him to." Like, you know, I'm still thinking God is kind of like a genie, and I just get to go to him in prayer and just get, get my wish, and, and that's just like sort of the, 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 the deal. It's just like when I pray and he should respond. Like that was my thinking. And, and sometimes, like not just as a kid, as an adult, as a pastor, like sometimes I get like that, if I'm being honest with you. But one of the things that I know about uh, my relationship with God, and it's just like any other relationship, there are, there's a process I need to spend time in growing with God. There, it would be ridiculous for me to, uh, to go home today and to throw my, my four-year-old, Trey, um, my keys and say, here you go, buddy. I think you're ready to drive. Be, and he's like, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I'm still not even able to ride a bike in the street. Like, what, I, I can drive now? And I'm saying, yeah, man, just be home by 11. You'll be fine. It would be crazy for me to do that. Like, he needs to be able to, 
ride his bike in the street. He needs to be able to not punch his brother when he's not supposed to. He needs to be able to reach the pedals. Like, these are things that, like, as a dad, if I just said, hey, hey buddy, here you go, like, and every single time, like, there, there needs to be a process. And there's a process in our relationship with God. I, I, I need to continue to grow, and, and, and I need to realize that sometimes storms are a part of that process. A lot of us think in this way that God causes a storm, and, and, and so he's mad at us. But I would, I would challenge your thinking in that, is that God allows storms to happen so that we can depend on him. God allows storms to happen so that we can depend solely on him. And I, I know um, this last year, it has been, last year plus now, we're saying year, but we're still going, it has been tough. Like Bill and I have said, and others, Melissa, have said, this has been a really hard year for us in ministry. And I, I know personally, um, it's been a really hard couple years as I have um, prayed for um, our country. I've prayed for um, some, really peop- some people really close to me that are going through things that I'm just like, man, this is so hard. This is so tough. And, and, if, and if, ever, if ever there was a time for God to move in my thoughts immediately to resolve a situation, it's been over the last two years. And I just, just at times, just crying out to God, like, like, please, like, do something. Please move. Please act right now, God. They need it. If not, there's a chance that they'll lose their life. And there's a chance that they'll lose their job or there's a chance that they'll lose something that is great to them and, 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 and matters to you. And I just remember seeking after God and, and praying and asking for him to move. And, and I'll just be completely honest with you. In two years, not all of those storms are calmed yet. They're just not. And I wish that they were. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that every single time that I've prayed and I've sought after God, that he answers storms or he answers and calms the storm immediately. But he doesn't always do it. And I, I know that in our thinking, in our doing, or if we, were, if we were at the helm, like we would probably just, every time we needed something, just, just, just fix it immediately. But I'm here to tell you that I believe that there's a process, that, that, that there's importance in the process. That a part of the process allows for me to completely rely on him. Like we just saying, even when we can't see what you're doing, we can trust that you're working. Even when we don't know what the plan is, we can trust that you do and trust that your ways are better. I can't orchestrate every single life and every single thing to ultimately bring glory to Jesus, but he can. And I've got to be able to trust that. And the thing that helps me trust that the most is our our third observation today is that uh, we can uh, be assured uh, that he is with us in the boat. Like the disciples, he is always with us um, in the boat, and we can be assured of that this morning. Let me find where I'm supposed to be in my notes. Um, but the fact that he is with us should give us great peace. Now, set the stage of, of the story that we just read. The disciples, uh, many of the disciples were very familiar with uh, being on the water. Peter is a fisherman by trade. He, this is not the first storm like this that he has seen. And so you can just imagine them. I mean, the, the storm must have been a huge one for them to be so afraid. Now, this is actually like my greatest fear, like being on a big body of water and there being a huge storm. Like this is like legitimately like my greatest fear. Like you couldn't pay me. Like, it, like this is a true story. 
if you offered me, after church is over, you offered me a million dollars to go on a cruise, I would say, you know what, you keep it. Because I feel like as soon as I go on the cruise, like, that's the time that, like, the, the whatever, the, the storm is going to come, and I'm going to be thrown over, and I'm just, like, I'm just out. I'm not, I'm, so I would be, like the disciples, I would be like, yo, like, hey, hey get, get up. Jesus, you can't be asleep right now. You cannot be asleep right now. Like, you need to, you need to get up. But when we read, and, and we are so guilty of this just like them, just like the disciples, we are guilty of the same because a lot of the times we forget what Jesus has done in our lives every time a storm comes. If you were to read the, the, the seven chapters before in, in Luke, uh, if you're reading along with us in, in, in the New Testament reading this year, then you've, we've read over this the last month and a half, and you would see that Jesus has, uh, the story that we just talked about earlier, he's healed a paralytic man. He's, he's uh, uh, healed sick. He's raised uh, a child from the dead. He's continually working, spreading this message of the, the, the good news, that he, the reason why he's come. And so his disciples should have great comfort and peace to know who's with them in the boat. They should, they should have been able to see the storm and see him at peace and said, you know what, I think we're fine. You know what, we should be able to do the same. Because just like he is there with them, he, he is there with us. Hebrews 13.5 and Joshua 1.5 um, encourage us in this way. Joshua 1.5 first, uh, it says that like Joshua is essentially taking over from Moses as a leader, he's heading into the promised land. And, and you can imagine Joshua uh, just as, as, a, as someone who had followed Moses for years and years and years and, and knew that God was with Moses just being like, wait, 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 like what? Now you want me to lead God? And so there may be a little hesitancy or a little fear. But God speaks to Joshua and says this, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He says, so fear not. And then Hebrews 13, 5, the author is talking to believers and talking to us in, in a, a way to live a sacrificial life, pleasing to God in every way. And he says, you can live like this because God will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter the circumstance, no matter the storm, no matter what is going on in your life, I'm here to tell you that God is in the boat with you. God is in the boat with you. Jesus is with you because he's making this promise to you. I'm never going to take my eyes off of you. I'm never going to not be near. I'm never going to not be with you. You know what Jesus is doing right now on our behalf? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, looking at us, pleading to God on our behalf, saying, those are mine. Those are the ones that you gave me. I love them. He's saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I, and I begin to wonder, like, what makes us and what made the disciples maybe think what made them get frantic? What makes us get frantic when storms come? And I know that I'm guilty of this. I get very short-sighted when storms come. And I forget what he's done for me in the past. And, 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 I, and I think the reason why that's, it's so easy for me to get, uh, forget what he's done for me is because before the storm, even though he was near me, I wasn't near him. Before the storm, like when he was near and looking after me and seeking after me and reminding me of his love, like I chose not to be near him. Oh, maybe not a cognitive decision that I made to run away from God, but maybe it's like Bill was talking to us last week. And we're not getting alone in this book and this Bible and his word and just spending time with him. Not so that he'll save us in the storm, but just because we love him and he saved us. 
Just because he's good and he's our father or he's our, he's our savior, just because man, his word breathes life into us. And so that when I, so, so that when I go through a storm, I'm, the first thing that I think of is my default is his love. My default is who he is. And the fact that he is in the boat with me, my default is not, oh, no, I'm in trouble. This is it. This is the end. That, that, can't, that shouldn't be our default. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that I know going through some really tough times that, that it's really easy for that to be the default. Because that's what we, when we turn on the news, that's what we see. Like, this is it. It's over. We're in trouble. This is it. This will be the time. But whatever it is, I know and trust that he is with me. And listen, I know this. There will be some storms. This may not be encouraging, the first part. There will be some storms that may not end on this side of glory. It's just true. Until Jesus comes back, sin will always be here. Hardship will always be here. Things will always be difficult and hard. But because of his love for us, his great love for us, we will always have him near us and with us. We can always be content in that, that Jesus is side by side with us in the boat and that the one who has the authority over all things is with us and we're on his side. And I was trying to figure out a story to illustrate this to you and I feel way more comfortable sharing my stories with 6th through 12th graders. One, because they forget as they exit the building for the most part and two, like they you know, maybe won't judge me as much as you will, but that's your fault, not mine. Um, when I was in the ninth grade, uh, when I was in the ninth grade, there was, uh, I went to a, a really big school um, in high school, and uh, when I was in the ninth grade, there was like a group of us ninth graders who thought like we were probably a little cooler than we actually were, and the senior class, like there was some guys who certainly thought that they were cooler than, than they were, but they would pick on like this group of ninth grade guys. Uh, and uh, I remember one time this guy came up to our group of friends, and he said something to us to try to intimidate us. And I don't know if you know this about me or if you believe it as I tell you today, um, but I can be a little sarcastic at times. Um, and so uh, my first reaction, everybody else was quiet. My first reaction was to say something back to him. Now, uh, I can't say what I said because, you know, I was in ninth grade. I wasn't completely living for Jesus, and you no, know, that's a different story, but I said something back to him, and he looked at me, and it was one of those, like, a movie. Like, he looked at me, and he was like, I'll see you after school, and everybody was like, oh. <laughs> and so I did uh, what every, every self-respecting ninth grade boy does. Uh, I went and found my big sister, and um, <laughs> I went and found my sister. She was also a senior, um, and I said, listen, Candace, and I called her this week, you know, sometimes, I mean, I haven't been in ninth grade for a long time. And so sometimes we kind of add to our stories. And so I just wanted to make sure that this was completely accurate. So I called her this week and, and she was like, yeah, that's what happened. And so I go to my sister and I'm say, I say, Candace, um, I have a problem and I need you to solve it because on my own, like I can't. I said, I need for you to get one of your friends from a different school uh, to come and pick me up from school. And uh, she was like, why? And I told her why. And she said, oh, okay, perfect. And so she got, this guy's name was, his name was E. That wasn't his real name. That's what he went by. His name was E. E was like 6'6". Um, I don't remember how much he weighed, but he was a big, he was a tall dude. And E gets out of the car, um, and he, uh, as this guy is walking towards me after school, and look, you know, like the movies, like the crowd is like swelling, like fight, fight, like the crowd is swelling. And E gets out of the car, and then he puts his arm around me, and he said to the guy who was walking towards me, he's like, what's up? 
And the guy was like, and he was like, is there an issue? And the guy was like, no, like absolutely not. Like there's no issue here, right, Wayne? And I just, like me, like what you just did, like I laughed at him. And I felt so comfortable that E was there. And I had never talked to E before, but, you know, after that, he was like a hero to me. But this guy legitimately, like he just completely cowered and left me alone for a long time. Because the one who was with me was bigger and stronger and had more authority than he did. And that is when our storms come, and they're coming. And there maybe some of us are sitting here today in the midst of storms, and it's difficult and it's hard. But the one who is in the boat with you has more authority. He has the authority to speak to the storm and to calm it now. He has the authority to, to help you ride through the storm to the other side of the lake, to, to give you uh, contentment and comfort to know that he is with you and that he can get you through it all. He's with you and he has the authority. And that should give us great comfort today. That the God who is, has always been will always be for us and with us. Jesus calms the storm in our lives. Our last observation um, here this morning is that the winds and the waves know his name. We're going to sing a song here in a moment, in a few minutes, um, but it's one of my favorite songs because there's this lyric that says the winds and waves, they still know his name, and it, it comes from this story um, in Scripture. Sorry. It comes from the story in Scripture. Because we see the disciples and they're amazed. I mean, I know that I said earlier that they had seen Jesus move and do all of these different things. And they had seen him heal. They seen him uh, set people free, set the demonic free. They saw him raise the dead to life. They saw all of these different things happen. But at the time, to this point, they just saw Jesus work in the lives of people. They saw his authority in the lives of people. They saw him be able to speak to people and, and, and heal them to speak to their sins and forgive them. They saw this, and they were amazed by this power, as they should be. But as they sat in the boat, they realized something, that the God who has authority over all people also has authority over all creation. He has authority that has no bounds. And they were so shocked and surprised that, listen, they're like, who is this dude? Who is he? that even the winds and waves submit to him and to his authority. And can I tell you, that gives me such great comfort. As a believer in Jesus, in every circumstance, and everything that we will ever go through, Jesus has authority and power over it. There's nothing that is greater than him. No opponent will come in our lives that is greater than him. And like I said, he doesn't calm every storm immediately, and he may not calm every storm in the way that we want him to, but I promise you this, that there will be a day and there will be a time where Jesus calms every storm both now and forever. And so the next time that you find yourself in a place that's difficult, in a place that's hard, in a place that's lonely, in a storm that seems overwhelming, Remember who's in the boat with you. Remember that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that he loves you deeply and that he proved it on the cross. And he, when he died for your sin and your shame, he did it because nothing else but his great love for us. And be reminded, and you remind yourself that the winds and the waves, they still know his name. 
the winds and the waves, they will obey him both now and forever. That he is never changing, that he is forever the same. And that he is the God above it all who loves you. And he can move in an instance or he can move in a process. But ultimately, he will move one day forever and always. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love for us. The proof of your love being the cross, the proof of your love being your consistent proximity um, to look after us, to be with us, to be near us. And I pray, Jesus, that you would uh, continue to reveal yourself to those in this room today, that you would show them of your great love for them, that you would show them that you are with them in the boat and that you aren't going anywhere, that you're not looking for a way out, but because of your great love, you're willing to draw near. God, may we reciprocate um, your nearness in our studies and our spending time with you in our prayer and our worship. May we do so because you love us and in the, in the midst of storms, may we be reminded of your closeness, of your authority, and of your love. God, I pray this for those who are in this room and those who are watching online. I thank you for you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.